Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Yes, strange man in the computer, this is Fresh Hop Cinema. And yes to you, listener, wherever you may be on this lovely day or night, this is Fresh Hop Cinema. It's a podcast. We talk about craft beer. We talk about film. My name is Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Summers. Hello. Johnny, tell the kind folks what the show's about uh, and what the structure is, what they do and don't have to worry about. And if you would be so kind, where they can find us on the World Wide Web. But what about the unkind folks? Don't care about them. Ooh. Skip them. Aggressive. Get out of here with We're that. a three-part podcast. The first two parts are spoiler-free. Spoiler-free. It's a hard word to I say. Wouldn't have, I wouldn't have caught That's it. I was fine. just thinking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever do that? Like you say a word and you're like, should yeah. I correct myself or not? Yeah. Did anyone else notice right. that? And I think you would have been safe there, but I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, man. We're all about transparency and transparency up in here. Was that one on purpose? Yeah. Transparency, transparency is, is a very cool from thing. A, it's from a commercial. Okay. Well, I love it. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty handy word. I think it's from like um, one of the travel yeah, credit cards sure. or something. But we are about those things. Yeah. You know. Three-part podcast. Yep. Two parts. One and two. Spoiler-free. Yep. Beer. Movie stuff. Third part. Spoilers. More beer. More swearing. Way more fun, if you ask me. Yeah, sure. So that's how that works. Don't worry about spoilers until later on. There'll be plenty of warning. Also, you can find us on all social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us on Untapped and Letterboxd under the same aliases for movie and beer reviews. Also, check out FreshHopCinema.com for our online home, all things podcast, beer reviews, pictures, videos, nudes, whatever. <laughs> you're trying to say news that time. Like, man, you're just, you're messing them up in all the best ways today. Yeah. Uh, there, there's yeah. transparent nudes. Love it. Yeah. On our website. So in, in that vein, if you have not seen Spider-Man Far From Home, it was opening weekend or, or opening week. It actually came out on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is um, the, f- the first First one I've heard of mainstream blockbuster film coming out on Tuesday in a while, and we will talk about the effects that it had on uh, its ticket sales. But uh, if you haven't seen that yet, don't worry about that till spoilers. But we're also going to be drinking a beer from Firestone Walker and a beer from Henhouse. It's going to be a good episode. We got some clips from breweries, all sorts of fun little audio clips to, to drop into your ear holes. We called some people. We called some people. Yeah. Uh, when the internet fails you. Yeah. We go old school. I was I was really stoked about Firestone, and we'll get into that in a couple minutes here. But they their website really is is. To put together, let's let's just go ahead and call it the bee's knees. Sure, it's but the like, cat's pajamas. Even there's a couple other websites, and a lot of breweries are guilty of this. They'll just put out tons of beers, and their beers might be really good, but you'll go to try to find stuff, and it's like n- just nothing. No, just like I can't remember what brewery it was. But like one of the breweries was the website was incompatible with like modern internet servers. Yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> translate to we can't open, our screens. We can't open on this browser. What do we need? Windows 95? Yeah. Good so grief. we haven't had the dark and stormy uh, from 2018 yet, but if for no other reason, I'm excited for it because their website was on point. Hell yeah. On that note, do you want to maybe get into it? Do you want to maybe pour a little bit and I'll talk about where I got this beer? Well, yeah, they know where to find our nudes and stuff. Sure. So now they should listen to us talk about beer. So I go to Reno to play music pretty often. I have a favorite bottle shop there called Craft Beer and Wine. And about a year ago, I found this beer. I'd never seen it before. It was from Firestone. And this was right after they had started making the what I'm going to call miniaturized version of their uh, big box beers. The little 12-ounce meepers. Yeah, those are the 375 milliliters. They used to only come in the bombers. And it's this tiny little box, and it's called Dark and Stormy. And it is on the box, says, a rum barrel-aged blended ale with ginger and lime. I like it. Um, in, a, in a couple of minutes here, we'll talk about what those blends are, how the ginger and lime affects it. But off the bat, I want to say it's 11.1%. 
And there have been a couple of vintages. This was originally released in 2017, near as we can tell. Um, and the one that we've been uh, sitting on has been aging for about a year in our, uh, we'll say cellar, but it's a fridge yeah. uh, at the right temperatures. So near as I can tell, this will be ideally suited for drinking. Now, Max, if the listeners at home are wondering, what's a dark and stormy? A dark and stormy, everybody, is a cocktail. It's a reference to a cocktail in this case, but it's a it's a rum cocktail. Uh, two ounces of dark rum, three ounces of ginger beer, and a half an ounce of lime juice. That's optional, but who wants it without the lime? Uh, you know lime I mean? makes everything better. Right. I love some key lime juice from Florida. If you've yeah. ever drank in my house, you know sure. that. Um, so so you that sounds ahead. like yeah. a delicious cocktail. Right. It's actually a spinoff of uh, another lime cocktail called a Moscow Mule. It's basically the rum equivalent of a Moscow Mule. I um, like it. Often is very... It's commonly served in in co- uh, copper, I guess cups. Mm. They had a cooler name, but I heard mugs a, maybe. Yeah, like a, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the mule cup. Yeah, they're very they're cool. Called. They're expensive. I heard that the only reason the Moscow mules are served in those is because there was a copper sh- uh, surplus, mm-hmm. and they needed to just figure out a way to move all these. So they like really they made up a drink. Obviously in Russia. I'm not. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you can look it up. Maybe we'll look that up on the break just to verify that fact. That uh, yeah. Because I've heard that from uh, several different sources that 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 copper cup actually does nothing for the cocktail. It's all yeah. Uh, what's that when you take a placebo? Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it makes it taste better. Everyone says it makes it oh, taste really? better. Really? It must taste better. Well, my thought is like so. Copper is famously used for like AC units. It's right? really conductive of of heat and cooling. So. Um, my experience with these cups has just been my hands get way colder, way faster because <laughs> they get like super cold and super condensation heavy. And um, just a heads up, by the way, if you're going to like a like a girls or a boys night at a bar and they're like twelve dollar Moscow mules, or, or you could keep the cup. That is not a legit copper cup because copper is expensive. Yeah, because we do not have a surplus of copper anymore. People love to steal that stuff because it's a it's a precious metal to somebody. Okay. See, everything I'm seeing online, it says the benefit is temperature. Yeah, right. Um, but I like the conspiracy. The, the temperature, you're saying in re- regards to the cocktail? Yeah. What is the, what's the idea? The idea. It just keeps it colder? I guess, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So. My, my thought would be if you're holding it in your warm hands, if the cold liquid has an effect, then your warm hands will also have an effect. If anything, it'll, it'll warm your drink faster. But if the metal gets colder faster, would that not create an insulation to your drink? True. And they often have handles. Yeah. So maybe you're supposed to hold it from like the teacup type handle and then it keeps it cooler. Pinky's out, bro. Sure. Tarps off, boys. Pinky's out for Harambe. That's right. That's not a thing. <laughs> it should be. Um, anyways, getting back to this beer. So I'm expecting obviously some ginger, some lime, and I want some booziness. If we're talking 11 plus percent, I want some weight to this. Um, you know, I heard some handy information about this beer from one of their head brewers. I think he should describe it for us. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm Eric Ponce. I'm the barrel program manager here at Firestone Walker Brewing Company. We're in our barrel maturation room right now, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about our Black Friday release, and we're calling it the Dark and Stormy. We were lucky enough to get our hands on some pretty amazing wet Jamaican rum barrels. Dark and Stormy is a traditional rum-based cocktail. Our take on a Dark and Stormy, El Dorado aged in rum barrels and Velvet Merkin aged in rum barrels. All fresh ingredients. Fresh lime peel, fresh ginger, deep mahogany color similar to the cocktail itself. It's gonna have those traditional rum notes such as molasses, a little bit of butterscotch. Look forward to this release on Black Friday. It's gonna be phenomenal. Cheers. 
Well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming by. What a handy guy. We should keep him around. Sure. So, so it is like he was saying. It's it's a blend of two of their more regular beers: Helderado, Velvet Merkin. I have definitely had Velvet Merkin a bunch, although I can't think of a time I've had Helderado. Have you had it? I mean, I'm sure you've had it. Yeah. When was the last time? I don't know. Some, yeah. Sometime in the past. Sure. Drinking. I don't know. Fair enough. Which one is Helderado? Even so, so I've got is the that their barley wine. No, Helderado is their blonde barley wine. So, so yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to read what they have on their website here? Part of the adventure of aging beer in retired spirit barrels is the synergistic interaction of different malt flavors with the oak and spirit flavors from the barrel. Darker beers like stouts and darker barley wines have typically been the favored candidates for barrel aging due to their deep caramel and roasted flavors. Helderado breaks that mold with a deep golden color from being solely brewed with English and American pale malts. Uh, the bready honey flavors of pale malts pull out rich wildflower honey, vanilla, and coconut tones from the oak, creating an overall flavor evocative of bourbon-glazed graham crackers that stands as a singularly unique as a sing what as singularly unique in our vintage lineup. Uh, okay, so that's half of it. And okay. then they also blended it with Velvet Merkin, which is their bourbon barrel-aged oatmeal stout, which I've always been a huge fan of. So good. Um, if you haven't had it and you see it on Nitro anywhere, like it's, get at it. It's real good. Um, and what they have on their website for Velvet Merkin is they say, Velvet Merkin is the beer that almost wasn't. Indeed, this vintage oatmeal stout's comical, or is it scandalous, name went off the grid for several years, but now it's back due to popular demand. Velvet Merkin is aged for a full year in retired spirits barrels from Heaven Hill, Woodford Reserve and others yet manages to offer mind-boggling balance and restraint. You'll wig out when you taste Velvet Merkin's rich milk chocolate, bourbon, espresso flavors, preceded by aromas of vanilla, coconut, toasted oak, and mocha. That name still cracks me up to this day. Velvet Merkin? Yeah. Uh, tell me why. Uh, a Merkin is a basically toupee to imitate pubic hair. That's disgusting. It's a crotch wig. I actually knew that at one yep. point, too, and now that you bring it back, it's a... It's a crotch wig. Can't say that it's not going to affect the taste of but this. But, I mean, what if it's velvety? It's That's a true. velvety yeah. crotch wig. Um, so I'm kind of, like, I don't know, reading the descriptions and then knowing this is coming, I'm, I'm worried this is going to be almost too much. Like, you have this really intense bourbon barrel-aged stout with a blonde barley wine, and then you throw in kind of, like, the rum barrels and the ginger, which is already an overwhelming flavor, and lime. Like, you've had a taste. What are your initial thoughts? It's a lot. There's a lot of different flavors going on. It's thinner than I expected it to be. Uh, it smells so strongly of like lime and ginger. Like I get a ton of lime on the nose. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really, it's a nice mellow drinking beer. It's pretty, not underwhelming, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's overly done. It's it's actually kind of blends well together. The degree to which that tastes like a dark and stormy to me is pretty wild. I mean, it tastes like once you've let the ice settle a little yeah. bit and you're kind of drinking an actual cocktail. The thing the thing that does not match up, obviously, is the carbonation. Um, yeah. Though you get kind of the, the seltzer water usually on top, but um, at least some places do. They're like, out of their gun just mm -hmm. to fill up the empty space. But yeah. um, there's a bit of carbonation, not a ton. There's a lot of the Merkin that I'm tasting. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those darker um, bourbon-y kind of notes mm -hmm. or that the you associate with a bourbon barrel-aged stout. Um, but that sweetness is throwing me off. Like... Cause it's not a, it's not a stout sweetness. It's a, it's like a rum mm -hmm. lime sweetness. I don't get a lot of ginger. I'll say that there's not a whole lot of that coming through, which I did not expect. I thought that was going to kind of take the, take the stage, but yeah, no, it's very rummy. It's pretty rummy. I'm into it though. It's not um, bad. It's not great. No, it's not great. It is weirdly refreshing. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Yeah. For a dark, like 11%. Beer. Right. Like you were saying it's, it drinks pretty light. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, this is a trip. I'm, I'm glad. Like I've been sitting on it for a while and there've been weeks where we are not super sure of what beer we're going to do. I'm like, maybe, maybe we'll bust out this dark and stormy finally. Uh, and I think that the age has helped this quite a bit because I could see this coming out. Um, we're drinking it like the month it came out and it just being way too hot. Yeah. Actually, now that I'm saying this out loud, I think I bought two of these and I think I drank one. Really? Yeah. I, um, shoot. Yeah. I mean, this was probably like last, last June or something. Okay. Um, and I remember thinking, yeah, this needs some time. So maybe that is what the reason we kept it for so long. Maybe. I'm into it. All right. Yeah, I think it's fine. I don't really love the rum overpowering. Okay. It almost burns like a a rum cocktail. When you drink it, you mean? Yeah. It's got a lot of heat on it. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, I think it's also worth pointing out. I'm looking at the back of the box here that it came in, um, and the blend is 80% Heldorado and 20% Merkin. Okay. Which I wouldn't have guessed at all. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about this beer. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I like it. I don't know if I would drink it again. Okay. It's, uh, it's like we said, 375 milliliter bottle. It was 10 bucks. So if that's a factor for you, um, it's weigh it. 355 mil. Oh, is bro. it really? It's a 12 ounce. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Get, uh, why don't you just say 12 ounces then? Get, it does right there on the bottle. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, shoot. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I should read. It's okay, man. Uh, yeah, this beer... It's a bit too heavy on the rum for me. I'm I'm really not digging it, I think, as much as you are. All right. Well, let's just throw out then it's doing what it's trying to do. Yeah. That needs to be said. And yeah. you're just not into it. Exactly. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's a little like burny. Like you definitely get a little You're feeling a little chest yeah. chest burn. Like Yeah. See, for me it's like it's not so much of an alcohol burn. I feel like that's the lime and the ginger notes. It could be. Like it's it's heat, but it's not that syrupy alcohol heat that you get from like really strong barrel aged beers, you know? Yeah. And it tastes like rum. Yeah. Like it full on tastes like well, rum. Well, so I think I'm going to jump back to the Hell Dorado thing here. The description you read mentioned coconut, vanilla, mm-hmm. like brings that kind of tropical palate that I associate with rum drinks. Totally. You know, like that's that's something that I, is, is right here in this period. And we're in kind of a dark room. We kept the lights mostly. It's just pitch black. It's mood lighting. Uh, yeah, it's mood lighting. But we're not seeing the beer as clear as usual. But if I hold it up to the light over here, I mean, it is. It's like a light brown to mahogany kind of. Mm-hmm thing which just tasting it blind i would not have guessed it it would be a little bit i thought it would be a little bit darker but it's just yeah it's this weird like heaviness of flavor at points but also lightness in body mm-hmm. which is kind of throwing me off but in a really cool way yeah it's definitely surprising yeah uh, and if you're not super familiar with rum drinks this is going to be a real curveball as far as a beer goes for you like this is going to yeah, be very trip, surprising man. are you a fan of dark and stormy cocktails i don't think i've ever had one that's why okay. I, I was wanting to look up the recipe before we started. Gotcha. Like, what the hell's in it? Oh, it's, it's like a Moscow meal. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I need to try one now. Uh, if this is what they taste like, I think I'd like to try the, the original version. Yeah. Because this isn't bad. It's not. It sounded like you just said this is bad. This isn't bad. Okay, cool. It's not great. It's not really what I would want out of a beer. I think it's 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 a fine line that breweries walk and, you know, any alcohol beverage beer walks when you try and mimic a cocktail sure it can go either way and this i feel like it's almost too similar to a cocktail like i just burped and it tastes like rum yeah like it's really heavy on the rum but i think that is just a product of them getting exactly what they were going for yeah so i can't really fault them for that personal preference this beer doesn't rate too high for me just because it is a little much on the rum and it's a little it tastes gimmicky 
to me. It tastes like, oh, they're just making it like exactly I could, I like a cocktail. Yeah, I can see that. And like, yeah, that's cool. You did that. And that's a neat thing to be able to do, but it's not something that I'm going to seek out. Um, this beer's like a like a 6-1 for me. It's fine. Like if you're into rum cocktails and like it's fun to try this once. Like I would bring it to a share for sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you ever had this, it's weird. Let's, right. let's drink it. Sure. Like that's the niche that this beer falls into. So, so for me... I mean, I always give points to kind of the creativity side of, of brewing. I love different ideas, and, and sometimes that can get really dumb and kitschy and weird. Um, but I think this is well enough in the ballpark. It's not like they're um, – I always my, – my, my brain goes back to the, like the pizza money stout. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's trying to eat pizza with money on it. But people like this cocktail. People like Dark and Stormy, so the idea that you would turn it into a beer is interesting to me. And I think it, it's cool that they tried to do it. I think they did it well. Um, and it comes down for this beer to whether or not you like those flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, my, knowing that and having said that, my critiques of this beer, that it ends and finishes pretty sweet. Um, you get most of the lime and the ginger sweetness on the end, and it, it kind of leaves it a little bit uh, heavier than I wanted it or heavier than it's been the whole time. Yeah. And that's not my favorite thing. I wish it were a little bit more balanced all the way through. Um, overall, I really like the flavors. Um and I would drink it again. It's not amazing. I would probably buy it again if I saw it, like if it comes out in 2019, uh, which might be about now. They might be putting it out uh, this summertime, I think. Um, well, I'll get another one and sit on it and try to compare it. They um, said it came out like Black Friday. I wonder if they do it on Black Friday. Oh, that's every true. Year. Yeah. But they do like limited releases on Black Fridays. I know like uh, Paraba Java came out on yeah. like, a Black Friday. So eh, keep your eyes peeled for it. Sure. If it comes around. So out of 10, I'm going to go a seven. Okay. Pretty good. Which actually. 6.1 for you and 7 for me are not that far apart. Yeah. Um, I kind of expected you to go lower, or maybe you expected me to go higher. I don't know. It's hard to say. I didn't have any expectations as to your rating when I offered up mine. Sure. Well, that's fair. So, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe you thought I liked it less than I did. Yeah. I guess I, I did think that. It, I mean, it's not for me, and I definitely wouldn't. I, I mean, you're not going to have any more, are you? No. So I feel like that's whenever you say that, you're always below a 5. Yeah, but it's still, for what it is, it's good. Yeah, okay. know, I can that's, re- that's I, true. That's true. I can respect the skills, bro. I feel that. Yeah. We'll move along. Got to give some credit where credit's due. And I mean, with Eric stopping by the studio. It was very all, kind of him. Came very, all the way from Paso Robles. Paso Robles. Is, is it? Is it actually? No. Because I'm never sure. <laughs> it's Robles. It's it's Robles. Like, we're, I mean, mostly white people. That's what, you know, that's what, that's what I've always heard yeah. in Chico and in, mostly Chico, I guess, in Reno. <laughs> it probably is Robles. Paso Robles. It probably is Paso Robles, but... That sounds more correct. It does. I don't know. Yeah. I will ask someone. Yeah, okay, great. We're moving on. Let's put this beer to bed. Once again, that's Dark and Stormy from Firestone Walker, a super limited release. So drink it if you can. Otherwise, just don't. June 27th, 2019, a film came out on Netflix called Anima. It is 15 minutes long, so it's a short film. Uh, and the description ends with, Best played loud. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about this thing. I need to because it's my flick pick and I think it's yours. Yeah. Um, so it's a film by Paul Thomas Anderson. You will know him from There Will Be Blood, uh, Phantom Thread, Boogie Nights is a pretty iconic one. He's he's a very esteemed director, but I, I've never seen any of his short film work, nor do I even know if this is a thing he does, with the exception of one Radiohead music video, okay. which you might be able to call a short film. Hmm. Um, but it's it's a film. It's a It's a visually weird kind of ethereal piece. And all of the soundtrack is done by Radiohead's Tom York. He also stars in it. And it's the same name as Tom York's recent solo album. It's called Anima. Um, 
and this came across my Netflix queue. Was like, this is what's new and sort of thing. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have kind of a weird recording schedule this week, you and I, my friend, or the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were concerned about getting in enough visual material to fill our stuff. And I was like, okay, a 15 minute short film. Super interesting. I'm sure it can't be that dense to process. I'll watch it and I'll talk a little bit. And and off the cuff, I will say this is a very weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very experimental. It's strange. Um, visually, I think fascinating and amazing to watch. Um, and I want to double back on that best played loud thing. There's there's so much sonic density to this thing. Like if you can watch it in the quiet of your own home, headphones would probably be great on this. I want to rewatch it with headphones. Um, or just your TV speakers, if you trust them, crank them up. Um I really enjoyed it, and I want to talk more about it, but I want to get your thoughts, too. Well, I watched it a couple times just to try and, like, figure out what they were going for. First thought was it's really weird, and it's silly, because I think any time there's people dancing in unison is just Mm. my brain immediately thinks it's silly. Really? Yeah, because I don't understand it as much. Even the dancing, because, like, this is not, by the way, like, ballroom dancing. Like I said, first impressions. Yeah, We're like, there's just a bunch of people dancing in synchronicity on a bus, like, Mm -hmm. just bobbing their heads. I'm like... Well, this is silly. Okay. But then, like, the dancing kind of becomes pointed, and it, it kind of becomes this weird commentary on, like, isolation and, like, um, industrialization and, like, being a cog in a wheel. Sure. It was really interesting. It definitely had kind of a, a Pink Floyd vibe to it, in my I, opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would even say it has, like, a Radiohead vibe. When I think of their album Paranoid Android, uh, that is – I hope – am I messing that up? It sounds wrong. Maybe that is the name of the album. Mm. Uh, whatever. I'm going to look so dumb if that's wrong, but, um, like so many themes in that album and a lot of Radiohead stuff is about isolation and, and, um, like consumerism kind of, and like being like a cog in a wheel sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So this made total sense to me Okay, from a Tom York perspective where it freaked me out was the Paul Thomas Anderson thing. Yeah. This is so much more abstract than a lot of his work. Mm. Like from what I've seen, it's all very grounded in reality where the themes might be a little bit more, uh, whatever this means with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. You can you can kind of impose your own meaning. Mm. Here it was almost the opposite. Like they're trying to get a message across and how we interpret it is what matters. Yeah. It was interesting. It was really cool. Lots of use of angles, different camera angles mm-hmm. and uh, some different visuals that were really odd and lighting. It was it mm. was a, an interesting experiment. I definitely it was thought provoking. Like I said, at first I thought it was silly, but then I was like into it. You know? Yeah. And the second time around, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like the yeah. music's. I'm not a big Radiohead fan at all. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that. So I just never got into it. It was never, no one in my circles ever listened to Radiohead. It was just never around. And sure. like the only song I've ever heard, well, not, I've listened to them enough to know I don't like them, but like the yeah. only song most people have ever heard is like that Creep song, yep. Yep. which in their pantheon of music is not the best. Or even indicative of their sound, really. Yeah, which is weird. Like their most popular song doesn't even sound like them. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, weird. It's a that's weird phenomenon. A bummer. But uh yeah, overall this thing was a really interesting piece of art and it's a super digestible 15-minute chunk. Yeah. That I think you should immerse yourself in and just like vibe out to it. Uh, and it's interesting like the different things people take away from it. It's cool. It's totally. like a painting. Yeah, sure. Uh two quick follow-ups. The album is okay computer. I don't mm. know what I was the Paranoid Andrew's the song on it. It's like Oh, okay. Well, you were in the ballpark. Fantastic song. Um, and it's a song that deals heavily with those themes. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not backpedaling fully. Okay. Um, though I should have known that because it's uh, in my top ten probably. Okay. Um, I, I think there's some some metaphors here that are some that are more subtle and some that are heavy handed. Like the bus thing you're mentioning, uh, he's like half awake, half asleep, and everybody on the bus is kind of like doing this crazy, um, like jerking kind of head swirl thing. And then you start to notice like oh everybody's doing it. 
which to me is like, yeah, we're all just asleep in our day jobs going through Mm -hmm. our routine. Um, and I don't know that there's a ton of, um, depth to the metaphors here. I think once you get that, it's kind of just extrapolating on that theme. But what's cool to me is like all of the ways in which that is, uh, materialized, I guess you mentioned like cool camera angles. There's, there's like changes in gravity. Mm -hmm. It would seem a point like there's this really cool part where, um, there's people doing like this elbow thing, like, and it looks like they're walking or like, um, like climbing up, but then the camera flips and it's like, they're going straight and then it tips again. And he's like, he's chasing after somebody for most Mm -hmm. of this thing. Um, it's just visually stunning. Yeah. Uh, not a huge drug doer me, but if I were, or if I decide to imbibe on that thing, any type of like psychedelic or even like weed, this would be a trip to watch a trip while on a trip, I think. Pretty strange. Um, but even even completely sober, I think this is a really fascinating um, take on something. And it's cool to see it on Netflix for the general public. Yeah. One thing that I kind of mentally noted in watching this is that it's badass that Netflix is at a, at a point where they can take chances. Right. And just throw stuff up like yes. this and be like, watch it or don't. Yep. Either way, it's cool. Like, I love that. Yep. Because this isn't something that would stereotypically come across your suggested Netflix No, feed. not at all. It's like, do you want to watch The Office again, Johnny, right, or do right. you want to watch this crazy 15-minute short film? And the yeah. fact that it was like in the suggested, like when you turn on the Netflix, mm-hmm. it's like, this is what's here. Watch this. Yeah. So I dig that because yeah. it, it seemed um, not so in form for them, and I like that. Sure. Uh, once again, that's Anima. It's on Netflix. You can check it out. Um, I think it's going to be up there for quite a while. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Once again, you can get a hold of us, any social media, at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can also send us an email at fhccast at gmail.com. Um, we're going to take a break. Feel good. And we'll come back. We'll talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. We're not going to spoil it yet. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry. But we're going to have some, some good fun talking about it anyways. So please do stick around. Maxwell, you'll never guess where I went to dinner yesterday. Where'd you go? I went to the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. They're an amazing craft beer bar and now a full bar, and they have a great happy hour seven days a week. That's right. It's from 2 to 6 p.m. seven days a week. Like you said, you get a dollar off all their draft beers, all their cocktails, and you get half off bottles of wine, which is already a crazy deal because they've got an amazing menu. They have a patio. They're all ages, so you can bring your kids. Out on the side, you can bring your pets. Your doggo. That's a lot of fun. It Again, is. that's the Handlebar right here in Chico. They are located, if you've never been, which is a huge mistake, at 2070 East 20th Street on the south end of town. They are next to Best Buy. They are next to Winco. And they're a fantastic local business. So if you have another chance, go check them out. Once again, The Handlebar right here in Chico, California. Keep up the good work because I am going on vacation. Heads up. Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Fury. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. What up, dorks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. I think MJ really likes me. That reminds me when I first fell in love. You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. This is Mr. Beck. We could use someone like you on my world. New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. The snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse? We have a job to do, and you're coming with us. There's gotta be someone else you can use. What about Thor? Off-world. Captain Marvel. Unavailable. 
it. I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Bitch, please, you've been to space. That was just a trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. That was written and directed by John Watts. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. This stars Tom Holland as Spider-Man, Jake Gyllenhaal, Samuel L. Jackson, John Favreau, Zendaya, Marissa Tomei, and Jacob Balaton as Ned. Yeah, there's other people we could probably talk about, and we might get into it, but those are kind of the bare bones. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal plays Mysterio, uh, a person. That we'll talk about as we get into this movie. Yeah. Off the bat, I want to say this came out uh, on a Tuesday, everybody. It was July 2nd. Uh, it's a very unique thing for a big summer blockbuster to come out on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That had why some... is that such a big deal? Well, I don't know why they did it. I mean, I, my, my guess is that they were figuring that 4th of July would cause some problems with box office sales. That's true. Plus with 4th of July being on a Thursday. Exactly, which won't... is when this would come out. Yeah. Usually it's like a Thursday night previews kind of thing. So they don't want to release it the day that everyone is traveling. Yeah, or, or like watching fireworks. Yeah. Like nobody's coming out to the theater to watch the like eighth Spider-Man movie since 2002. Mm. Anyways, um, so it came out July 2nd. It runs two hours and nine minutes, made on a production budget of $160 million. And as of July 7th, it has made $185 million, which is still pretty huge. Hell yeah. There is a, I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a skewed record, but the record that it holds now is, um, I mean, the largest six day opening f- ever for a, for a Tuesday release. Nice. It's like very cool, but also you, no other movies are coming out on Tuesdays. Yeah, so you kind of cheated a little there guy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I saw this in Reno, saw it with a couple friends and I saw it in one of those DFX Dolby awesome sound that always are way too loud. Okay. Uh, theaters with the reclining chairs and I had a nice thing of popcorn and whatever. Good viewing experience. Um, Great, great viewing experience, I will say. Nice. I don't think the movie was great. Okay. But before I get into my take, I want to know what you thought. Well, I think you're wrong. Right. I'm excited because you sent me that text and I, you loved this movie. You thought I it was did. fantastic. Yep. Okay. Hey, bold statement, caping hella hard for this movie right now. This is my favorite live action Spider-Man. Boom. I said it. That's Drop okay. the mic. Okay. I said it. I'll say it again. Sure. This is my favorite live action Spider-Man. This and Spider-Man... The multiverse. Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse are easily my two favorite Spider-Man movies now. Tom Holland is like the perfect Spider-Man. I loved him in it, and it was uh, really, really, really good. I have a follow-up there, but I'll get get it to you after you talk about your initial stuff. Yeah, so this movie was just visually really cool. There was a lot of neat, fun stuff. Uh, I really liked a lot of the visuals. There was... Uh, not to get into too much detail, there was kind of some alternate dimension type stuff that okay, happened. Sure. Uh, and I thought was really some of the cleanest, nicest looking uh, CGI and also action that I've seen in a long time, maybe ever. Like it was really, really, really well done. This movie had everything that you want in a Spider-Man movie. Like literally everything. It had, you know, somewhat of an, an awkward love story. It had monsters and villains and betrayal and heartbreak and action and adventure and and hijinks and all of the teenage awkwardness that Spider-Man's supposed to have like I I think this movie just hit it out of the park. Okay. Um so I mean what makes this better than Homecoming? Which is the other the first Tom Holland film with Spider-Man like I felt more endeared to the characters. Like we had established this universe and Tom Holland as Spider-Man, he was, you know, comfortable in his role. It wasn't the movie of self-discovery of him becoming Spider-Man. It okay. wasn't the origin story that we've seen beaten like a horse 
that is now glue that is dead. <laughs> because it has been beaten so yeah. many times. This was a movie where Spider-Man was comfortable in the universe he was existing in. We didn't need to see him figure out his powers and be awkward and surprised. It was it fit in his mythos, which I really I, I enjoyed that comfort in the universe he lived in. And it's blossoming off of the events of Endgame and he's been established in the Avengers universe. There was a lot of really fun wiggle room for them to operate in this universe, and I think they did it really well. Okay. Um, how did you feel that the? Um, I guess I'm, not, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with like my experience, what I like about Spider Man, and and part of that is like, a I agree with you. Tom Holland nails Peter Parker. So good, so right? good. He's he's certainly the best live action Spider Man that has ever existed. Yes. He's Tobey Maguire beats Andrew Garfield hands down. Um, and I liked Andrew Garfield and I liked Tobey Maguire yep. fight me. I know a lot of people <laughs> don't, but I think he was, I think he was good looking back. He was clearly like a 30 year old dude trying to play a 16 year old. And that's weird. I kind of caught that with Garfield too, though. Right. But also Tom Holland is 21. Yeah. When he, or in homecoming, I think he was 21, but he, he's so little, like he's he little and looks baby. And there's face. a big difference in a 21 year old, uh, person's body and like a 30 year old's body. Mm-hmm. A lot happens in those nine years. Yeah. A lot of sadness. Sure. Um, so no, I think, I think he's great for Peter Parker. Um, my kind of main quibble with this movie, and I want to see if you felt the same, is that like some of the Spider-Man like quirkiness, I guess is a way to put it, like just didn't seem here. It's almost like they ramped the stakes up and, and we lost, granted, he's like the whole time like, I'm, I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want to do neighborhood stuff. And that's about all we get. We don't really get a lot of the neighborhood neighborhoodiness. In one trailer, there's a sequence of him talking to the police officers like, ha ha I'm just doing your guys' jobs, but bazing. Uh, it wasn't even in the movie, but that kind of stuff was lacking here for me. I'm wondering if that took away from the character of Peter Parker for you at all. Not at all, because the movie's called Far From Home. Well, sure. It's kind of hard to be the neighborhood Spider-Man when you're not in your neighborhood. I I guess I mean more like his personality seemed different. It seemed like he was too weighted down by the magnitude of the events and kind of lost the the quirkiness of Peter Parker. Yes, I think that is a direct result of this being the first film since Avengers Endgame. And which leads to my second question. Well, first since Captain, well, was Captain Marvel before Endgame? Yes. Okay. This is this is the first Marvel movie since then. So yes, we're coming off those events that were very serious. Like I think probably spoiler alerts through all this about Endgame. Up to Endgame, sure. You know, Tony Stark's dead. Sure. And he's dealing with that. Like this whole movie has that tinge of grief to it. So Tinge like, tinges uh, is undercutting it. I think. Yeah. Like, if, did you feel like it was too heavy-handed with that stuff? Not really. Man, it bothered because, me. Because uh, Tony Stark and Spider-Man's story arcs are so intertwined in this current incarnation of the Marvel Universe. He was only an Avenger because of Tony Stark. So I feel like their stories are so interwoven that it would be an insult to the the 21, 22 film run of Iron Man to not add that that heaviness to it. Yeah, I mean, I see that too. I just, I like the movie opens with... Which it turns into a joke, but at first I'm like, man, are we really doing this? It was like the Whitney Houston song. Is that Whitney Houston? I'll always yeah. love you. Mm-hmm. And like a, instead of doing playing the Avengers theme, it's like this song over like a montage of slow motion of Iron Man and Thor and Captain America. And I'm like, all right, so I guess I guess we're just going to have to deal with this. It's not only a Spider-Man movie. It's, a, it's an Iron Man and Spider-Man movie. It's a Spider-Man with the shadow of Iron Man looming over him kind of movie. Well, this is this is the first Spider-Man movie that he's been so ingrained in the Avengers. Right. So it, it has to fit in that universe. I know, but I almost wish, like, they really rammed him in there the past couple of movies. Like, they really milked the Spider-Man, Tony Stark thing. 
which is to some extent like, yeah, that's his character. Now I know that's his origin story, but it just always felt to me, and this is not the majority opinion, I think, but like it felt so not forced, but maybe unearned a little bit. So the fact that when we start this movie, like Avengers Endgame came out like uh, two months ago, not even like I haven't had a second to deal with it. And and I dealt with it quickly enough, but they put out this movie. It's like, okay, so I still have to feel bad about this, even though I knew it was coming. I wanted more Spider-Man and less Tony Stark Mm. again. Like I wanted to deal with his personality and his love story and his awkwardness, which I do think by the end does play out pretty well. I think it's one of the few movies. I think that the beginning, I was like, man, this movie's going to suck. And then second and third act, I'm like, Oh, okay. There've been some twists. Some things have changed. I'm into this now. Like I'm on board. Yeah. So I don't want to give the impression I didn't like this movie because I did, but I don't think it was close to a perfect movie. And I think homecoming was still miles better. Hmm. Are my initial thoughts. Miles extra points for into the spider verse. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. That's an interesting take. Your feelings on Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. I really liked the character of Mysterio. Yeah. I really liked it quite a bit. He adds so much credibility as an actor to any film. He's someone that if you put him in there, like this movie instantly has credibility just due to his chops. Yeah. Like he's amazing. So yeah. to see him in this role, and it was actually a role that required a bit of acting on multiple fronts. And we'll talk more about that in the danger zone. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed him in this. I thought he played his part very well. There's there's a, there's themes in this movie and, and increasingly in Marvel movies of the integration of technology into our world. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a pretty heavy-handed theme here. There's a lot of use of technology in this movie. Do you feel like that worked well, or do you think it was overplaying kind of what could have been a more uh, traditional villain story? I felt it worked really well, and I was happy that it was uh, a villain of a different type. I think we've seen... An elemental. We've Yeah, exactly. We've yeah. seen, like, I mean, this is getting into danger yeah, zone we're, stuff, we're t- possibly. Yeah. Um, it was a unique villain story, and I'll leave it at that until sure. part three of the show. But I really liked that it was unique, and it was not the same thing that we've seen for the last 30, totally. 30 movies. Yeah, you know. So I really dug their take on the villain. The other thing I want to push back that you said, push back against that you said, is is the CGI thing. Um, for me, the beginning, there's a scene where um, Peter is doing like a like a uh, like a Q and A at the homeless shelter that his aunt runs. Yeah. Um, and he's in like a suit, he's in a Spider-Man, his, uh, iron spider suit mm-hmm. from, uh, from Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was going to be a joke. I thought it wasn't actually going to be Spider-Man. It was like some stand in with a, a bad costume. Mm-hmm. And then they did like the nanotech thing where it like unfolds around his face and then comes back up. Mm-hmm. I just thought it looked so terrible. Oh really? It got better. He, he has a couple suits in this movie and that one in particular for me was like, man, this looks bad. <laughs> like it, none of it felt tactile. It felt just like. Just, just like a CGI sprinkle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, but it worked for you. It didn't bother you. No, didn't bother yeah. me at all. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I was bought in at this point, you know, to yeah. the, I wasn't really looking to nitpick about the CGI okay. at, at that point. Yeah. You know, cause it's tricky though, because some of the CGI does get really good yes. and it's hard not to compare the two. True. There's, there's a bunch of, like, I don't know, but for me, yeah. the, the CGI wasn't the focus of that particularly scene, particular scene. So like when it was the focus of, you know, everything going on in the scene, it was really clean and well done. But that scene, that was like the only CGI happening. So it was like really easy. That's a good point. To for it to just look completely black and white, stark even. Okay. I like it. Um so there's there's these elementals. If you've seen the trailer, there's like big fire. They're like Captain planet if he turned bad right and there's one with it's like a water fight and this is my only other cgi moment that i was like all right 
water's like such a hard thing to replicate already in CGI. And then to turn that like a monster into water. I just think the whole scene in Venice was like just so taxing. Um, but still no, nothing bothered you there? No. You were just like, this is fine. I'm yeah. on board. This is good. Yep. Okay. Especially once we learn about a bit more of the true origins. Sure. That is, I think that's really smart. This movie does that. Like, aha, you're, you're allowed to judge it because of reasons. Exactly. And I was like, okay, I, I see you. Yes. That's, that's a pretty good, pretty good counter argument. Right. Um, okay. So I think we've talked a lot about what we liked about this movie. The only and, other thing I want to mention. Okay. Bring is, it. Is the, is bring it. I'm ready to there's fight some jokes movie. in here. Um, particularly with like Peter's classmates yeah. that I was like, all right, I get it. I don't want any more of this. Like, like Ned has a girlfriend, mm-hmm. which was kind of cute and endearing. And then there's the, uh, the flash character. I can't, didn't write down that kid's name, but, um, jokes that they like have played up a bit in the past movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Ned does things where he's like, Peter, when I was, you know, when I first fell in love yeah, and none of it worked for me, just the big brothering him. Yeah, because they but met, he's clearly like yeah, can't. He, he met this chick like five minutes ago, right? Yeah. Um, did did most of the, I guess my question is like, did most of the the kind of subplot humor work for you? Did the tone of this movie, the the jokey stuff outside of Tom Holland, work? Yeah, because it was meant to be silly. Like it was supposed to be silly. That was their intention, and it played off as silly. Like it's a silly goose time. It's a silly movie about silly little kids. But like, is it? Because another well, sense from it's like. Their- from their perspective, sure. Yeah. But it's also like the world is in danger from these monsters. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still okay with like the the interplay of those two concepts. Yeah. I just think the jokes weren't that good. I mean, the humor writing wasn't stellar. Right. And yeah. if it's Spider-Man, I want the humor to be so I want him to like kick a bad guy in the face and be like, oh, sorry, that's going to leave a mark. The wife that you beat's not going to love that. And then zip away. I couldn't be a comic book writer, but yeah, you get the idea. Wow. Jokes. You wanted more domestic violence in Spider-Man. That's <laughs> what you're saying. But Peter Parker like, delivers jokes when he's beating up bad guys. Yeah. And I want the jokes, if they're not going to be in the combat, to at least be there for the the scene-to-scene moments. True. And for me, they weren't. I think we should watch this again. I almost went to see it again today before yeah. this. Because uh, I, again, did like this. But let's give it a rating, and then we can uh, put it to bed for a couple mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. So you first. You said, I can't quote you in this segment because I think your text was... Not super family friendly, but you really liked this movie. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. I liked it a lot. This is hands down my favorite live action Spider-Man that has ever been. It is probably number two directly under Spider-Verse for me sure. as favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. This movie is a 9.2. Nice, dude. Yeah, That's I'm, a good, good rating. I'm a firm believer in my love for this movie. Uh, yeah. I'm into it. Tom Holland's my Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm about to go buy an action figure. Fair. I'm torn. This is maybe the most conflicted I've been about a movie rating in a while. Um, because I think that, and this is hard to talk about again, because like we're not spoiling stuff, but I think once the movie, in my opinion, starts getting good, it gets really good. But the first act, basically, for me is so weak that it's going to start to affect my overall enjoyment of this movie. So as much as it kind of pains me in the moment, I'm going to give it a seven. And there's an argument for an eight and there's an argument for a six, but seven is where I feel like I'm going to land with this. Hmm. It's a low score. It's not a low score. It's a low score. Whenever we talk about anything else and you give a lower, you're like seven, that's a fair score. It's a fair score. I think it's fair. I'm going to stick with it. Seven for me, 9.2 for you. That is Spider-Man Far From Home. When we come back from this break, we're going to get into a beer or two and then uh, talk about what's got us hot and bothered this week. And then finally, we will get to spoilers for Spider-Man. If you haven't seen it yet, do stick around. Uh, Because we're not going to spoil it just yet. 
Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to the danger zone. Johnny Summers, my friend. Yo. My colleague. Sup. My love. Sup, dog. Tell me, uh, tell me about where you got this beer, please. Some guy left it at my house. Some guy? So now we're drinking it. That's great. Who is the guy? His name is Brandon of the house Duran, first of his name, master of scaping lands. Brandon, thank you so much, man. I, I haven't had a hen house stout maybe ever. Um, do you know where he got it? Probably hen house, I guess. Or was it somewhere in town? I think he'd go on a trip down there. Cool. So I'm going to say at the source, straight from the hen's hind quarter. Sure. That's in Santa Rosa, by the way, if you've never had hen house before. They are from Santa Rosa, California. And the beer we're drinking, again, is called Recurring Nightmare. It's a uh, it's a barrel-aged imperial stout clocking in at 11.2%. We should change the name of the podcast to that. All of it? Just Recurring Nightmare. Sure. <laughs> like I'm stumps trapped. So the reason it matters that I haven't had any of their imperial stouts before is because, in this case, Recurring Nightmare is a blend of all of them. It's aged in whiskey barrels, but it's it's all of their previous Imperial Stouts or just their Stouts. I'm not totally sure. The internet was not super clear. Um, stop. You're stressing me out. Don't do that. My God. You did it. <laughs> well, now while I deal with that, you tell people what you just did to me. You, I called you my love. <laughs> yeah. And that's hey, how you, you know, pay me. Lovers mix fluids. You got to explain what Am happened. Am I wrong? That's, I don't want to drink that. Young man, your beer was simply not gone from the last uh, beer that we had. And I couldn't see that around the dark and stormy bottle. Yes, you could. Until it was too late. Ugh. And I poured some of this barrel-aged uh, barrel stout on top of a hazy double IPA. You realize how much this is going to make me hate this beer now? You're such a lightweight. That's not what, light what lightweight means. Come on, dude. Just, Look, put it, just put it in your mouth. Tell me more about this beer, please. Do you want me to drink that? No. Are you going to whine about I it? We should get on track and talk about this damn podcast. Well, this is a podcast about movies and beer. Uh, every week we get together and review one, maybe more movies, and at least two beers. It's a really good time. You can follow us. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. That face you made was golden. Let's talk about this beer. It's an 11 point what? 2%. 11.2%. You don't get to do this. I said all this. You have to come up with something new now because now I have to deal with what I'm dealing with. Oh, yeah. You got to do your own thing. No notes for you. Well, I'm excited for this beer. I love barrel-aged stouts. I've only had this once or twice. I had it at Burgers and Brew on draft. They had it there for a while. Uh, I believe, was it a former employee of their works there now? Or there's a connection there somewhere. I, I'm not 100% sure, so I'm not going to comment. Neither am I. So there's a connection in the ether. Either way, they've carried this at Burgers and Brew locally here several times. Uh, I don't think we can get cans anywhere, but it is on draft around every once in a while. I can honestly say I think I've only ever had one other hen house beer besides this one, and I believe it was an IPA. Yeah, they've done so. They this is my thing. I don't know a whole lot about hen house, but they've they were a startup pretty recently. Like it's not the oldest brewery in the world, uh, clearly. Um, but I think in the past, like I don't know, I'm gonna say like four years um, is how old they are. And I've had I want to say a Pilsner. Um, there's a couple of spots around town that had them pretty regularly, Burgers and Brew. Um, mm -hmm. Argus had a few of their beers. Um, but yeah, like I don't know if it was an IPA, but it was. I've never had a stout. I've never had a dark beer. Gotcha. Um, and I'm not even sure how big of an operation they are. And I would love to know that. Um, and maybe we can get some info on that by the end of the episode. But you've tasted it. You've tasted it without an IPA in it. So what do you think? I like it. It is very chocolatey. I like the roastiness of this beer. Uh, it's still a little cold. I'd like it to warm up a little bit, but it definitely isn't as thick as I was expecting from a big 11.2% mm -hmm. barrel-aged stout. 
but I do get a ton of nice chocolatey notes on the front mixed with a tiny bit of booziness, a little bit of barrel, not overbearing with the barrel. It's not like super make your throat hot boozy. It's actually got a nice smooth drinkable flavor, nice texture, nice mouthfeel, not too carbonated. Uh, it's definitely colder than I would like right now because I am dumb and forgot to pull it out of the ice. But, you know, we all have our flaws. Max can't finish an IPA. so Max can. Max did not. Even though Max was waving his hands like, don't you do that to my beer. And you were like, bleep, bleep, bleep. It was funny, though. Whatever. I was making a sick intro. Mm. Anyways. Um, all your intros are sick. Thanks. Do you want to, should we talk about this even though it is too cold? Yeah. Or do you think, okay. It's fine. Well, I don't like it. This is, oh, really? No. No I kidding. mean, really, yes. No, I don't. I'm confused now. Yeah, phrasing. Um, no, it's um, to me, I'm getting way too much carbonation. It's it's more burnt than it is chocolatey. Mm. Or you, you, I guess you could say more roasty, but it's it's not just a round roastiness. It's like a- You roasted it too long! It's a specific um, kind of burnt taste that I'm getting. Um, certainly not thick enough to back up an 11.2% ABV. Um, they're at this point, and again, let's say it's way too cold because I think it is, but there's there's very little I enjoy about this. Okay. Okay. It's aggressive. I know. What do you think? You know, what I recall from drinking this beer on tap was kind of the same ballpark you're you're just talking about. Um, I think this batch or can or whatever, this incarnation of this beer is a little bit more enjoyable than what I've had in the past. Because I remember thinking it was like average to below at best when I'd had it on draft. It just didn't really hold up to other barrel-aged stouts that were available sure. at the time. Um I do think this one is a little bit improved somehow. Not sure how they did that, but it definitely has a bit more sweetness. But I mean, I definitely get what you're saying with that kind of tang of like burned acidity, almost like burnt yeah. coffee. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Without the rest of the coffee. Just, right. For me, just the burnt part. Yeah. Like you're tasting the smell of burnt coffee. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, no, I think you're right. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find some info on their website about this beer, but I think it's not one of their regular rotations. Um, so no luck yet, but we'll, uh, we'll get there at some point. It's fine. So you, you, you do like it or you don't? I'm on the fence about it. It's really in the middle of the road at this point. Like it's, it doesn't hold up well, uh, just because barrel aged stouts are probably the most predominant style of, of beer for beer nerds out there right now, as far as just the level of quality being pushed. Uh, and this really honestly doesn't hold up to a lot of, of beers on the market right now. Not, yeah, well, sure. Like, not even close. Like, no, no. Like, did you guys not even taste any other barrel aged? Well, the thing stouts? is, like, I mean, if they are a new brewery and if they are trying to get their craft lined up, I'm obviously a little bit more forgiving. Um, but on the flip side, it's we are rating a beer mm-hmm. for being a beer, and um, this is not. Yeah, it's not not near the top. Yeah, no. I mean, if if it was on draft at a bar and there was like no other dark beers, I would drink it. Um, but. That's, you know, probably the extent of the work I would do to seek this out. Yeah. If it were a rainy day and I ordered a cup of chili and I'm like, a dark beer is what I really want. And I look up and there's great IPAs and then there's this as the only dark beer. I I would not order this. <laughs> I'd probably go IPA. I would go IPA. I would go. It's just, it's, this is a sub, did we say this on the break or on, on the record that when you're a five, that's, that's the low. You're dead. Right, you're just dead well, to I, us. I think no. for the way that yeah, no, not not that does. <laughs> the way that I write beers is, and movies for that matter is like on a one to ten scale, anything above a five is um, potentially great, but like a six is not horrible. It's not great, sure, 
but five and below start getting in the realm of bad. Yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. And this is certainly a five and below category beer for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how much of that is personal preference and how much is objectivity, but I think we both agree this is not even close to the top beers in terms of Imperial Stouts. No. Okay. Not not even close. Which is strange because on Beer Advocate, it has an average rating of 4.21 out of 5. Hmm. Um, and I was looking on our untapped to see um, if anybody that we follow and whose opinion we trust have drank this beer. Why don't you click the thing that says friends? Go down? Yep. Down. Right. Here we go. There. Mm -hmm. friends. friends. I don't think anybody's had it is the reason. Uh, nope. So we will be the first of our friends. Look at us carrying the torch. Um, it's fine. It's not great. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's from fine to okay. You know what this me. beer is? This is a brewery that felt like they needed to make a barrel-aged stout. I think you're right. So they weren't quite sure how to do it. Uh, technically speaking, this is a stout that has been barrel-aged. And Yeesh. it does meet like the most base requirements. By the way, do you get any bourbon? No. 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 Okay. More, you could tell me this was just a, a, like a stout with like some roasted malts and like, yes, like just a regular stout. And I would believe you. Yeah, sure. Just, and a, I would almost enjoy it more. Sure. To follow up, um, Hen House 2011. So okay. eight years. I was wrong. But in the grand scheme of things, not really. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not, you know, I'm not stoked about it. Neither. All the energy has left this room. A little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Let, let's rate it. Yes. Let's talk about stuff we do like. Mm -hmm. Let's switch that order. So let's talk about what we like. Let's rate it. And then let's uh, let's keep going with our day. What do you enjoy about this? Well, it's not the worst beer I've ever had. All right. That's there's sort a, of a backhanded. There's, yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of like subtle chocolatey, but it's like a dark chocolate. It could just use a little bit more sweetness, but I do like that there's a little bit of chocolate there. It's kind of its only redeeming quality because it adds the subtle sweetness when it should be turned up to like a five. Sure. It's at like a two. Yeah. So we need to up the sweetness a little bit there. Um, it's it's seriously just an adequate stout. I, I yeah. Which should not, that is a compliment for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you, it's so much easier to be a garbage stout mm -hmm. to be an adequate stout is important, mm -hmm. especially dealing with high ABV. Yeah. Okay. I think that the, the worst parts of this beer come at the end. I think like 60 to 70% of my drinking experience is very good with this. Um, does not leave a good taste in your mouth. No, but I'm going to focus on positive. So chocolatey sweetness full. It's very full for a minute. Um, I enjoy most of the time I'm drinking this. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of a lot of roastiness that is good for a while. Yep. Um, do you know how much this costs? No. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, friend and fan of the show, let me know because that's going to affect kind of my overall thing here. Eh, not really. I mean, this is even a more uh, objective rating if we don't know how much it costs. Like, that's true. But simply in, in, judge this beer in front. In of terms you. of a recommendation for buying it, like if this is, I would say no. Again, it comes back to like why you're drinking. How much is it? Like if you guessed, just put a number, what you think this beer should well, cost. I can tell you what I think this beer is worth. No, tell me what you think it should cost. I think this beer probably costs nine or 10 bucks. I can name 30 to 45 so different so beers. That that's would... not the question. Okay. The question is how much you think or how much I think it costs. Yeah. I think this beer is worth, <laughs> why does it feel so much shittier? Yeah. Like, that feels... I'm going to put a dollar amount on, yeah. on what I think of you. No, I think, I, I mean, it's a, it's a pint can. We haven't said that. It's, uh, 
a small batch. Obviously, it's a small run of beers. This is uh, this is in a can worth four to five dollars, I think. And even at that price, I'm not buying it again. Yeah, this became a blaring indictment of this beer. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is what it is. I don't really come down hard on a lot of beers. I know. I've I've been waiting for you to come down hard. But when when they're when they're subpar, I feel like we have an obligation as as trans. What did you say? Transparent. Transparency. Transparency. As, uh, as issuers we, of transparency. Yeah, we, we got to say it. So, you know, in the words of Peter Parker, zunkle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. With great power comes great transparency. Yeah. And great transparency. Look, and again, just doubling back to not fully put the caputal on this. Like, I've liked a lot of their beers. This just doesn't happen to be one of them for me. Yeah. Not a fan. So, recurring nightmare. 3.8. The nightmare is over. 3.8 for you. 3.8. Okay. Uh, yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Let's Spider-Man. Holy God. <laughs> Jesus. No, we're not at Spider-Man yet, though, either. Oh, my God. Can we talk about anything else? All the energy just left this room. I almost quit the podcast. Let's bring it back, buddy. Yeah, please. Um, You recently went on a trip. Yeah. Tell me about it. I went to the San of Fran and Cisco. And it was quite nice. What'd you do? I went down there for a baseball game in particular. I hadn't been to a Giants game at night. They have night games that start at 7 p.m. and run till about 10, which are really fun. Spend an evening at the ballpark in the dark with the fog rolling in when it's like 60 degrees. Got to bundle up to watch baseball. It's a good time. Uh, Went down there with a few buddies and had a nice afternoon. Went to City Beer and drank some delicious beers. Talk about City Beer. What is that? For people that don't know. Yeah, City Beer's a rotating craft beer bar and... uh, restaurant and also bottle shop it's a really cool spot you can grab you know beers from pretty widespread they have a nice tap selection okay really great how many taps roughly i want to say like between 15 and 20 Oh, a bunch yeah it's a good it's a good amount are there no i'm thinking of something else never mind okay yeah really good restaurant i had maybe the best onion rings i've ever had yes salt and vinegar onion rings that were a five inch onion ring oh they're so a real big one real big one yeah so good. And then great beers. Bought Actually bought some beer to bring back and then drank it all yesterday. So Shoot. It was cool, man. It was yeah. a good time. It was a great trip to the city. I've been down there like every week for the last two weeks. It's been, Nice, dude. It's a good place to hang out. So Good. It was fun. But good. that's not my real hot. Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that last week you talked about a project you have going on at home yes. to uh, elevate your mu- movie viewing experience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I think it's fair to say you should reveal that a little bit more. I am putting in a viewing slash screening room into my house. I have a TV. I now have a sound bar with a subwoofer that's like a thousand watts. So it sounds it's hella, a lot of watts. Hella dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I just picked up a DVD player for the middle room with everything. So I'm going to rearrange it all. I'm going to get rid of some furniture. I want to put in a futon somehow. So I want like, because there's a twin bed in there for guests, but I want to like arrange it in a way that there's like, a futon for seating to watch movies like this right here to my left, but more comfortable because this thing sucks when you lay it down. Exactly. Okay. Well, I don't care. It needs to be seated. It's more yeah. like for the purposes of a couch. Okay. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So that's the goal, but it's coming along nicely. All the pieces are in place and I just have like two folding chairs in there right now. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's a work in progress. Dude, uh, you should take the chair that we nixed up here. We're like, oh, it, it, yeah. we, we were basically like, this chair is too comfortable. It reclines too much to yeah. be in a studio. But in, if you're going like, Mobile chairs. It's a comfy chair. Do we just have that downstairs? It's in the garage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally taking it. It's all yours. For sure. 
So I'm really stoked on that. I'm going to actually, within the next week or two, start delving into that list that I was working down, the AFI Top yeah. 100 American Films of All Time. So stick around, because those are coming with my new viewing room. I'm stoked. Super stoked on that. So the DVD player is not set up because you brought it over here. Yeah, I just purchased it before we recorded. When are you going to watch your first movie? And second question, what is that movie going to be? I am probably going to watch Citizen Kane Damn, all right. on... I don't know. This week. This week sometime. Sure. Yeah. Have you seen it before? No. Ooh, yeah. I gotta come over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I haven't seen it either. And it's like one of it's a one of, it's one of those movies. Let's it's do like it. It's like the number f- what is it on the AFI? Like two? I think one? It's one. Have you one? Pretty sure it's one. One Dude, or two. Here's the debate. Should you watch that right now? Because if it's considered the best American film of all time, I feel like you should save it. Should I start at the bottom of the list? Well, mm, should I work my way? That would make sense. It would make more sense work, to me. Yeah. That makes more sense to me too. Because the argument is like you'd appreciate it more probably. Because I watched Raging Bull and that mm-hmm. was in like the top twenty. That was like number six or yeah, something. Yeah, it was up there pretty far. No, that was your that was a different list. That was that that user's list. Oh, I don't know what's happening. But Raging anymore. Bull's on there. So it's it's up there, but maybe I will. I'll start at the bottom. Rewatch Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen we by the way did not cover that on this podcast, but have you seen Toy Story for, Toy Story Four? No. Yeah, me neither. Do you want to? Yes and no. I haven't seen the third one. I, I, it wasn't what? a huge part of my childhood, so like I just kind of avoided it. But I've heard Toy Story 4 is great. Yeah. Um, and I meant to see it at one point for a flick pick, but I, I haven't gotten to it. Yeah. So, There's not enough hours in the day for no. as many movies as we want to I watch. Know. Such is life. Maintaining. I mean, if we could just fuck off our healthy relationships sure. that we are maintaining and yeah. just focus solely on the podcast yes. and just work and watch movies. Yes. I mean, the the show would get better. The show would get better. We'd be that real, is true. Be pretty sad. We'd though. be drunk all the time. We'd be real sad. Yeah. We would end up living together probably. Yeah, I'm fine with that though. You got a sick movie room. Yeah, that's all I need, dude. I would have way more rooms if I wasn't married. We could totally have like we could. Um, <laughs> this is a slippery worm. <laughs> like Shalene and Gianna could have like a slumber party, and I could just come over to your place, and then we could just watch movies all night, and uh, whatever they like to do, they could do that. That'd be great. <laughs> like, we don't know. I don't know my, my well, whatever it does. Whatever those women folk yeah. like to do. No, like they, I mean, they'll probably bake us cookies, right, Max? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, particularly you and I, like, we watch movies in a similar way, which is like, sit down, watch the movie. And not everybody likes that, but we do. So I like watching movies with you. That is a very point. gentle way to say that. Sure. And I, I, I I'm appreciate a gentle guy. That. Yeah, you are. You're a gentle spirit. So that's my hot. We're going to be gentle spirits while watching movies together. And I look Love forward it. to that. So stick around. We're going to name the room something. Maybe get it a mascot. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Sure. What's your hot? Well, so for a long time, people have told me about the reboot of a... There was an old show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Love it. And that went off the air um, like 11 years ago, I think, more mm-hmm. or less. And Netflix rebooted it to be called Just Queer Eye. That's it. Queer Eye, Nothing. Queer Eye. And it came out in um, 2018. Yeah, last year. the month of February. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends be like, you need to watch this. It's not like the original show. It's more like a, it's a um, sort of all around good feeling self-improvement kind of show. Yes. Um, and if you listen to last week of the week before, I can't remember. You and I, Johnny, were watching a lot of MasterChef or like yep. MasterChef adjacent type shows. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that I'd gotten to like season three or four of MasterChef and it started feeling very very scripted and very weird and and more about the cattiness between people than it was about the food. And I've discovered Queer Eye and it's all about the happiness. Yeah. There's no fighting. There's no, it's just these five dudes who are amazing making other people's lives better. Yep. 
and it's amazing. I got re- real, real drunk last night. Yeah. I'll probably watch five or six of those motherfuckers in a row. And it, I was in such a good mood when I went to bed. Like, And I was drinking White Claw, so I was hydrated because mm-hmm. I think that's still a thing. Yep. And I was just, I'm stoked, man. I'm, I'm so tired of people being catty and fighting each other. Dude, I can confirm. Yeah. I ate up the whole first season of this show, the week that it aired, yeah. like a big bucket of delicious queer candy. Love it. I was, I still am so in love with this show. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to any of the new episodes. But yeah, I just remember having this overwhelming feeling of just joy. Yeah. Like it's so nice and they're so nice to people. And like yes. the whole premise is like they're kind of trying to improve someone's life, not just in a fashion way, but sure. like. Yeah, which re- is the difference from the original. Re- redecorating their house and just like kind of pushing the reset button on their existence and maybe like shifting it into a different direction that's more healthy yep. and more awesome. And it's just. It's really good and wholesome, and it's definitely like everything that you want out of a TV show. Right. So one of the episodes I watched was um, I can't think of the the client's not the right word, but the uh, you know subject subject. Yeah, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was a white dude in in I want to say like definitely the South. I think it was South Carolina. Um, very active in his church, kind of thing. Has like literally six kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so like their house was very very cluttered and very overwhelmed. It was him and his wife and there's six kids. Um, and he works crazy hours. So, uh, can't really clean up the house or take care of himself. He's very much like, well, you know, if I'm going to spend money on clothes, it's for my wife or my kids or whatever. But the interesting thing is he's like in a traditional Christian, like Baptist type church. Mm-hmm. And they do this a lot in the show. They'll put these five guys in with these people who on paper should freak out and be an internet meme. And there's these moments where it's like by the end, they're like, before this, before these five guys came into my life, I never would have imagined having a bunch of homosexuals in my home. And now I appreciate you guys and I love you. And there's, and, and not even once has it felt pandering. Right. It's felt so genuine. I cried like five times last night. Every time I watched that show, it just I just like, I couldn't help it. But it's such a good, happy it, cry. Yes. It's like wholesome cry. And it's, it'd be so easier for that show to like, from the filmmaking perspective, look down on people and be like, you don't, don't accept gay people. You're a bigot. Mm-hmm. Aha, we'll all laugh at you. But it's not. It's, it's these genuine human moments that is cultivated by a show on mainstream television. And I don't understand how it's on the air. I don't know how it makes money because people like fighting. And they like hate. And it's great that it is. So yeah. if you haven't seen it yet, watch Queer Eye. Queer Eye. It's on uh, Netflix. Netflix. I think it might be on Hulu as well. Um, so check it out. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. It encapsulates the idea that it's it's easy to hate people when they're not in front of you. Totally. But then you get to know someone that is that thing that you are judging and it puts a human face yeah. on it and like they're in front of you. Like you ever heard that expression? Like you wouldn't say that to someone in an elevator uh, just for like internet criticism sure, and stuff like that. Sure. Like it puts people in that situation. Like talk that shit now. Yeah. Like this person's here trying to make your life better. On a side note, it's actually made my online shopping addiction slightly worse. <laughs> um, Cause like every, all those five guys are so stylish. They're so nicely dressed. Yeah. And, and I've been like trying to like rebrand myself recently musically. Oh okay. Like trying to be a little bit more like there's been times where I make an album. I'm like, I'm going to grow out my beard. I'm going to just wear denim on denim all the time. And now I'm like, I'm, I need to make some more money. Cause I'm trying to buy a house. I'm going to do corporate events and weddings. And those boys are fashionable. They are sharp dressed. I almost ordered some low top white uh, Chuck Taylors last night. Didn't do it. Got a uh, water pick instead. Okay. Because that was on the show also. Mm-hmm. 
having a bit of a problem. Up that floss game, son. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to I don't even be throwing out those little picks. Yeah. You so. know what? They know how to live. And I'm okay with learning from them. Agreed. One hundo. Queer eye. Love San it. Francisco. Great. City beer. Movie That's room. Great. Do you have any bothered? No. I sure, no. I sure do. <laughs> oh, no. What is it? Oh, yeah. Why? Is it me? You're looking at me like it's me. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> no, it's not you. It's, okay. it's, it's a really, it's an issue that goes right to my heart. It, it cuts deep. Sure. It cuts true. Love it. And it's been profoundly affecting my existence. Um, the movie theater where I spend some time, a whole lot of my time yes. has ripped away one of the only things that makes that experience easier and more seamless. And I don't have to talk to people. They have removed the self-serve kiosks from oh, the movie theater did they? in Chico. Yeah. And mm. heart broke a little. Well, those things were malfunctioning for like a couple months. They were glitching. One yeah. of them would work. Neither of them would work. Then they'd both work. And then yep. it was just touch and go, you know, but I stuck with them. Our relationship was dysfunctional. They didn't always work right, but you know what? I loved them anyway. Yep. Then they took them away. They well, took them away, Max. Yeah. Sorry, man. And now I have to talk to people to buy tickets. You do. And I you don't. You can still buy them online if I you do. want. I've been buying yeah. them online like crazy. I don't care if it costs a dollar extra for fees. It's like a buck 35. Which doesn't make sense because it's from Tinseltown. It's so stupid. It's from Cinemark's website. It's, it's so dumb. Why are you charging me extra yeah. for your own fucking yeah. service? That, bother, ah. that bothers me. It bothers me, but it's a lot easier to just pull my phone out and scan it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. It really shook me to my core because I didn't know, and it was spraying upon me. And let you know me. They might not know this, our listeners, but I don't shop at places like grocery stores that don't have self-checkout. Oh, really? I do not. As a rule. I didn't know that about you. Nope. I will also say you're putting people out of a job. No. Uh, You are. Maybe. Definitely. It's fine. Economic. No. You are. No, I'm not. Because there are jobs being created in e-shopping. There's an e-cart position yeah. that employs like six people in every grocery store. And there's usually about six people on check stands that were removed for self-checkout. So I think it balances out because okay. people are getting their groceries online. They're getting them delivered. So that's also a delivery driver. And then what someone has to pull the groceries. Sure. It's just jobs being diverted into different positions inside the same grocery store. So I think that whole thing's just a bunch of bullshit. Well, maybe. I don't have the numbers for that. But if what you are saying is true, you have a good case. I have a pretty... Uh, everyday peek behind the curtain of mm-hmm. grocery stores, and it definitely yeah. hasn't affected jobs. All right. So, I mean, it's easy to say that. Like, yeah, there's not one person, you know, standing there and checking yeah. out at every yeah. single thing, but those jobs have just gone elsewhere. I just feel similar to that as I do to, like, going out for a drink. Mm. Like, a place that is self-serve beer. Like, yeah. I'm paying extra, so somebody will serve me. See, the thing- I want to go to the grocery store and be like, yeah, yeah. check it. You, you scan the stuff. I'll wait around mm. and look at all these different flavors of gum. Yeah. And then buy six of them. That's important time for you. you well, sure. And your gum collection is on. Point. I'm going. To, like, I don't want to. I'm not doing. They're not paying me to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to check out my own stuff. Yeah. You'd get the money for that. See, no, I won't. But also, there's always one person that has to supervise. So you still yes. get a person because there's there. idiots in the world. Yes. Idiots also shop at grocery stores. Believe it or not, they have to eat. So yeah, little known fact about me that I will. I I just don't go to places that don't have self checkout, and it's really a, it's a thing for me. So for me to just go to the movies and get this sprung upon me because I walk past this massive line, you know, on the way in. Nobody notices. Like, ha, People are like, fools, yeah. <laughs> you peasants, just use the machine that's right. 
But, yeah. but you've never once told anybody about the machine. It wasn't there. Well, yeah, but in the past. No, but I walked past that line, past those peasants. Yep. And then I had to walk back. Behind them. all of them. Back past them. Presumably with more of them in the way. Yep. Yeah. And they're all looking at me like, you thought you were something, buddy. Yeah. You're not nothing. Get behind me. So I had to stand in line for a movie, and it was a really uh, soul-shattering, humbling experience for me, and I'll never do it again. What movie? I don't remember. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Spider-Man. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So that sucks, but you buy them online. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's so easy. But yeah, man, I loved the self-serve. Yeah, it was so too. nice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, RIP. They'll probably put them back. RIP. Just fix them. Self-serve machine at the movie theater. So you did end up buying a ticket, though. You saw Far From Home. So did I. No, I snuck in, actually, illegally. And now we're going to talk about spoilers. All right. So spoiler alert, Spider-Man Far From Home, or according to my notes, Spider-Man. Spy- Spearman. <laughs> I forgot the D, I guess. Spire-Man. Spire-Man. Um, Mysterio is a bad guy. Which I didn't know going in. Which I thought everybody knew. Well, I'm nobody. Call me that. So we were kind of skating around this in the beginning. Like, the use of elementals and kind of the generic, like, in on my planet, my family was killed and now I'm here. Like, at one point, it feels like the camera zooms in on Jake Gyllenhaal. He's like... That's who killed my family. And I was like, God damn it. Is this what we have to deal with again? Like we have this <laughs> terrible generic, like, yeah. Ugh. And then the movie, like I said earlier, is smart because it's like, oops, just kidding. You were all being played and you all bought it. You idiots, including Spider-Man when he gave over the, uh, glasses, I guess mm-hmm. it's like a weird thing, but okay. Tony Stark leaves him these glasses. They're like AI glasses that have uh, yeah. an advanced user interface that can control. Yes. Everything. S- apparently a lot. Um, so whatever. That was fine. I think once the movie revealed that, and I knew it was coming, I just didn't know how it was going to manifest. So it I was didn't. just like, Jake John was like, aha, what an idiot. Now we have the glasses, everybody. And there is, I'm convinced if you look up the word exposition now, you're going to see this scene where he's like, and oh. thanks to you, Carl, for doing this for Tony Stark and you, Janice, for this. And like, okay, we get it. You guys all used to work for Tony. You got some gripes. Good. <laughs> okay. That was the only scene that bugged me. It was like, movie. oh God. That one was tedious. I think I checked my phone during it that was. scene. But coming back to like um, why we both love Into the Spider-Verse, I, I, at least I assume there's like these crazy visuals and it's very imaginative. And mm-hmm. the stuff that Mysterio does to Spider-Man, particularly in the scene before he gets hit by the train, is like mind-bending and so, so cool, cool to see. Um, and, I, and I think, I mean, so like the Spidey sense or the Peter Tingle, <laughs> which I know you love. It's so funny. Which, which is funny. I just wish there had been a little bit more set up for him like struggling with that because the spider sense is what makes him potentially better than a lot of superheroes. Yeah. And it's, it's the only reason he's the only superhero that could beat Mysterio, right? Because he's like using his senses to to avoid the illusions. Mm-hmm. But it's not even really set up that he doesn't have it. At one point, they're like, I can't, I need to focus. Like it, like it's a, an erection or something. Yeah. Well, I'm like taking my Peter Tingle pills. <laughs> it was implied that like he wasn't fully trusting it. Oh, maybe. Okay. You yeah. know, he just wasn't like letting it be a factor. Yeah. Okay. Just trusting his other skills. Cause that's like a spider. That's a Spider-Man one-on-one thing. Like the spider sense. I mean, even in Avenger or uh, which one was it? It was uh infinity war. I think where the spaceship comes down and he like gets his hairs and he like looks at his arm. Like my hairs are standing up. My spider sense. Mm-hmm. Just stupid. Why would you even look? If you feel it, you feel it. You don't even look at your arm. Who looks at their arm? Right. Um, like he has that ability mm-hmm. and I wish it was more clear that he was struggling with it. Like in homecoming, if they would have just kind of sprinkled that in like, Oh, he doesn't, he can't sense things. But it's like the crux of why he defeats Mysterio here. He's like, he can dodge stuff because he's not looking, he's feeling. 
um, which I think is very smart, but I wish it would have been stronger. A little bit more set up just as to why he needs that. Um, the whole premise of the elementals and stuff we find out is all uh, artificial. It's uh, projectors on drones. Yes. That's important to mention at yep. this point. Mysterio is all based on technology. Smoke and mirrors, smoke, almost, almost literally. Literal smoke and mirrors. Yep. Uh, and we find that out, and that's kind of the the, the crux of that character's like deceit. Or the the pinnacle, I should say, and uh, it really brought a believable element to right. this villain, which I loved because mm-hmm. every other fucking villain has just been a monster from space or an elemental. Well, let's I mean let's backpedal here because in in Spider Man Homecoming, the villain is the dude with the wings, right? Uh, yeah, Vulture. It was uh, what's his name? What's the actor's name? Michael Fassbender. No, the other one. Uh, There's a couple. Keaton. Keaton. That was um, close. But it's like a very street level, quote unquote, using Marvel terms, like a street level villain. It's yeah. it's a threat basically just to New York at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, coming back to what I was saying in the beginning, like the first act felt so weak. It was because they were like, all right, well, it's coming off of Endgame. Like we need, a, and even Jake Gyllenhaal says it in the movie, like we need an Avengers level threat. Yeah. And I was like, damn it. But then I'm like, oh, f- funny. Yeah. That's just this knowing what it is. Yeah. yeah. So we get these like CGI monsters. Um, which is super lame. And in the worst superhero movies, that's what we see, like Batman versus yeah. Superman. There's that weird, stupid lava monster yeah. kind of thing. I don't, I don't even know what he is. He's like an alien. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter is the point. It's They're an just amalgamous like, goo of glowing anger. Yeah. But I think what was so brilliant about this movie and why I kind of did believe that's what they were doing is because the stakes are set so cosmically high in Endgame, like a lot of quantum words are thrown around. Mm-hmm. So when Peter freaks out, he's like, there's a multiverse and he says a bunch of sciencey shit. Nobody's following it. And we're mm-hmm. like, I guess that's what's happening. Of course that could happen. There's time travel. There's all sorts of shit in these movies. We buy into it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Nope, Peter was fooled. You guys were all fooled. He's just a con artist Yeah, with technology, mm-hmm. which is so smart. Cause like it is such a good integration of technology into this universe that is not that far off from the technology we have today. Yeah. And it was fascinating because the drones projecting this technology were actually weaponized. So they could like swarm over like pillars and stuff. And then like if while projecting while projecting, so like if it looked like the monster was running into something, they would just blow it up and make it look like the monster knocked it over. Like it was crazy how like they integrated that. And it's creepy because we're not that far off from that. It's a cool idea. The thing that bothered me here is that like the tie-ins they tried to make, like there were a lot of like cheesy flashbacks here. Like Jake Gyllenhaal at one point says to his cronies, like this was my idea for my projector age defying stuff. Like look flash at, to black and white flash to like Robert Downey Jr. Doing his like young Robert Downey Jr. Thing. And he used it and he called it, what did he say? He called fart. It fart. It was the acronym for something. Yeah. And then like, there's a lot of those moments and that's when he calls out like everybody in his group, like, and you, you hate Tony for this reason. And this is why we should be bad guys. And it's like, all right, dudes, we get it. Yeah. Though I will say there's a scene with a woman named Janice who keeps coming back and forth and she's like in charge of his costume. Do you still need the suit? It's so funny. Yes, I need the suit, Janice. Like that, that, that had me busting up. That I could be meeting the line. queen. Yeah. That yeah. Was, some of it's very funny and some of it was just weird to me. Um, One of my favorite things about this movie was Zendaya. Why? Because she's amazing, and she wasn't written like a dumb girl in a comic book movie, and it was really cool to see. And I love everything about her character in this, because she's like sarcastic and witty and independent, and like that. There's just this one exchange that she I know has exactly with Peter what you're talking about when she's when he says you look pretty, and she's like, oh, 
so I have value. And he's like, oh, 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 blah, blah, blah. and she's like, nah, I'm just playing. Like, it's cool. Like, it's so funny too, because so many people watching this movie, particularly people older than us, gonna be like, yeah, classic, classic liberal millennial here. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm just kidding. Well, like, I, nobody's that much of a caricature. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I like that scene for that, that just acknowledges the ridiculousness yeah. of the yeah. level of nitpickiness that that kind of encapsulated, but then it just kind of poked fun at itself. Yeah. But also, she is the strong female character that like yeah. has her own opinions and like i just love the way she was written in this movie and to me i mean i've loved her since greatest showman and i oh, think she was, that yeah she's a she's a big standout in this movie for me i really like her as mary jane man there's who is the other actor there's an actor that i was thinking of um oh shoot i wish i could think of it but she looks like the child of that actor and somebody else with just just like the deadest eyes like she's just just nothing which helps so much with the sarcasm. Like yeah. she delivers these lines. just like got that dead. Why? So now I have value to you. Just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it was great casting. Yeah. She's perfect for this role. She is. What about Ned? Ned's just Ned, man. He's yeah. kind of just there. Like he worked in the first one a lot. Yes. A lot to the point where they, I think they were relying on it. Cause in here he's like, I'm still your guy in the chair. Right. And I was like, I forgot about that completely. Mm-hmm. He was like Peter's sidekick kind of yeah. thing. And they let that go pretty hardcore yeah. in this one. He was like the tech support there in the first one. Yeah. And in this one, not so much because he has John Favreau's character of happy kind of backing him yes. up. So I'll also say that the like John Favreau, Marissa Tomei thing, romantic thing was weird because of like the Tony and Aunt May kind of thing. <laughs> Did like, they have a th- well? Yeah, like Tony Stark was always flirting with Peter's aunt. Oh, that's right. May played by Marissa Tomei. Mm-hmm. It's like so now, like John Favreau's character Happy, who is like Tony's friend but also employee. Yeah, is like gonna be with her. He was just waiting around for his chance, man. I guess seems weird. Got to take a shot. What are you gonna do? Whatever. I think I think that there was a lot of Iron Man stuff in this that didn't work for me. That comes back to like I hate the way this movie started. Everybody's like, you gonna be the next Iron Man? Iron Man, Iron Man. Tony Stark's gone. You want some glasses? You look like Tony Stark, but stupider. <laughs> I don't know. Just a lot of Tony Stark. Yeah. I want more Spider Man. Well, I think this movie kind of had to walk that line, and they might have gone a bit too far into the Tony Stark. I, they might. I, mean, I think so. They could have gone with a different ratio, but uh, I sure enjoyed it overall. So I have to ask you: Did you stick around for post credits? Yes. Both of them? No. Ah, uh, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna say. We're talking post credits. So if you haven't seen it, we're going to tell you now. What was the first one? The first one was when uh, Peter Parker's identity was revealed. Oh, that is what it was. Yep. I forgot about it because it was so much less important than the second one. Whoa. I know. What? So yeah, that was brilliant move, by the way, by Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Crazy. He said he had contingency plans in place. Yeah. Yeah. That is why that was. Mm-hmm. The second one, after all of the credits, I'm going to tell you now. Um, if you think back to Captain Marvel, there are two alien races and I can't think of their names. They have pointy ears. They're green. Mm -hmm. They kind of look like Thanos, but the opposite color. And they, in Captain Marvel, were like, those are the bad guys. Oh wait, they're the good guys. So those guys, right? There's one played by Ben Mendelsohn, Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson's character, Nick Fury, and the gal from How I Met Your Mother, whose name, Kobe Smulders, Mm -hmm. are not those people. They are those aliens standing in for them. Whoa. Because Samuel L. Jackson has better stuff to do. He's up in space forging some type of like earth defensive type alliance with these aliens. Damn. It was a very clear like, okay, Marvel is not done even by a tiny bit. Like we're going phase four running into it. 
Damn. Uh, it was a really satisfying scene because at first you're like, is Samuel Jackson on a beach drinking like a mojito? Mm-hmm. No, it's like a green screen or something. Then he goes and he's in this giant spaceship. Um, so stick around if you haven't seen it. It's a Marvel movie. There's nice. two post credit scenes. Come on, man. I like that. Yeah. So hmm. anything else you want to talk about? I think I'm there. I think you should watch this movie because it was fucking awesome. It was, it was good with problems, I think, <laughs> but still worth your time. So I agree with you. Um, last bit of housekeeping, Johnny Summers, we mentioned Patreon or did we not? We did not. All right. Well, tell people about Patreon. It's a place where you can support this show yeah. with your hard earned monies. Yeah. For as little as $1 a week, you can support this and make it keep happening. You can donate more if you'd like. We have exclusive content every week that we record. We also do parties and yep. get togethers and fun stuff like that. So yeah, check it out. Patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Johnny says, uh, a dollar a week and possibly more. You could feasibly donate $10 per week, which translates to $10 per episode. If you're like our friend Matt Roberts, who's just joined us on Patreon. Oh, my God. Matt, thanks for joining. Um, I have not met you. I know you know Johnny very well. I would love to meet you at some point. I hope you're at our August something something event. I'm not going to say it on this particular strain of air, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining. Um, let's get out of people's ears. Yes. With a final note, uh, courtesy of my sister, probably. Without the support <laughs> of... Young Bailey Minardi, this podcast could not be made possible. That's Johnny Summers. Her love sure. yeah. and undying support. My God. That's- <laughs> ah, let's get out of here. That's Max. This is Johnny. Goodbye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.